In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord Jesus, we thank you for gathering us together here tonight in your real presence. We thank you for the gift of the Blessed Sacrament, your body, blood, soul, and divinity, really, truly, substantially present here in our midst. We make an act of faith, Lord, that you are here, that you want to be here, that you want to bless us here tonight, that you want to heal us, that you want to strengthen us, that you want to fill us with hope, that you want to give us more faith, more knowledge and wisdom and understanding and counsel and piety and fortitude and awe and wonder. Mother Mary, we want to entrust this time of adoration and praise and worship to your Immaculate Heart and to St. Joseph, your most chaste spouse. And we crown you the queen of our gathering here as we pray together. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I want to start off tonight by reading from John chapter 4. It's the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman at the well. And if you have watched episode 8 of The Chosen, I see some of you nodding your heads, yes? then this is probably one of your favorite episodes. And you have a composition of place. Jesus meeting the Samaritan woman at Jacob's well. If you're not familiar with it, I'll try to paint a picture for you as we go here. But just picture a big field, if you will, outside of town. It's not in the town, it's outside of the town. Say a good quarter of a mile. So it's just a big open field, and at the top of this hill is a simple well with uh, a canopy of sorts over it to provide some shade, although not much. And that is our composition of place. Now, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee. He had to pass through Samaria. Not really. Samaria is definitely out of the way. If you've been to the Holy Land, most of us haven't even... I've been to the Holy Land four times. But I've never been to Samaria because it's out of the way. So the fact that he had to pass through Samaria speaks to his mission, his intention, and not the direct route. So he came to a city of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. And so Jesus... Wearied as he was with his journey, sat down beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. 
that is to say the middle of the day. There came a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. So Jesus was just sitting there at the well all by himself, tired, thirsty, and up comes this woman by herself to draw water. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans, let alone women of Samaria. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself and his sons and his cattle? Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. The water that I shall give him will become in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst, nor come here to draw. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands. And he whom you now have is not your husband. This you said truly. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and you say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming. And now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such the Father seeks to worship him. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, he who is called the Christ. When he comes, he will show us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Just then his disciples came. They marveled that he was talking with a woman, but none said, what do you wish? Or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into the city and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the city and were coming to him. So Jesus went out of his way to meet this woman who obviously had suffered a lot. I think in episode 8, of season one of The Chosen, they show this very well. 
and they elaborate a little more. They take a little artistic license. And Jesus even starts describing to her the different husbands that she's had and perhaps why she's had five. Because the first one beat her. And then she felt so bad about leaving him and divorcing him that when she married a second time, she felt so bad because this man was so good and she left him. And then she just went from bad to worse after that. So Jesus goes out of his way not to condemn this woman, not to condemn her, not to shame her, not to make her feel bad, but to save her, to heal her, to redeem her, to restore to her her dignity as a daughter of God. She finally realized that. She was struggling with that because she knew that she was a Samaritan woman, that she was considered unclean, a pagan, because the Samaritans had intermarried with non-Jewish people, and little by little, more and more, fell away from the true worship of the one true God. And yet, this woman was trying to know God and to follow Him. But she thought that it was basically impossible for her. She felt rather hopeless. And so Jesus wanted to also give her hope I was praying this morning, not necessarily about this passage, but it came to me as I was reflecting on the mercy of God, on God's desire to redeem us, to save us, to heal us. And I was thinking about how deadly shame can be because undoubtedly this woman felt ashamed of herself. And there's a distinction between guilt and shame that I think is really important to make here. I'm sure some of you have heard this. I've said it before, but it bears repeating in this context. Guilt is the feeling I get when I've done something wrong. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have done that. I made a mistake. And I feel guilty for that. That can be a healthy thing. Too much of that is not healthy. But shame, on the other hand, is when we point the finger at ourselves and we say, I'm bad. I am a mistake. There must be something wrong with me. That's what shame sounds like. And it feels like we are unworthy of connection. 
Shame makes us feel like we are unworthy of connection with one another, with others. And especially with God. But God does not want us to be ashamed of ourselves. If there was ever a woman or a person that Jesus would have wanted to feel ashamed of themselves, it would have been this woman. But that is not how he saw her or embraced her. It's not how he treated her. On the contrary, he was trying to liberate her from her shame. He was trying to set her free. He was trying to deliver her from that shame. Because when you don't feel worthy of connection, you necessarily feel what? Isolated and alone. Abandoned. Rejected. And we've all felt that. And nobody likes that. And I think sadly, we sometimes feel like God wants us to feel bad about who we are. But that comes right from the depths of hell. God never wants us to feel like we are unworthy of communion with him. He is seeking out communion with us all the time. He is always looking to encounter us wherever we may be. No matter how we feel, no matter what circumstances we find ourselves in, God is always looking to encounter us. It doesn't mean that he won't try to steer us in a new direction, but he does it gently. He does it respectfully. He does it lovingly with the intention of having us bear more fruit, with the intention of having us experience even greater connection with him. Because he always has more to give us. He always has more to show us. And I think if we are constantly selling ourselves short, if we are ashamed of ourselves, then we're necessarily going to sell God short. In other words, we're going to underestimate what he wants to do for us. I will necessarily underestimate what God wants to do for me and with me and in me and through me if I'm constantly selling myself short and feeling bad about myself. So 
So I really want to pray into that tonight. I want to lead us all through some prayers tonight that I think, that I know, will help us have a greater experience of God and His mercy. It'll help us to shed some of our shame. So I'm going to lead us through those five keys of the unbound ministry. And I'll do it from the pews so that we can just focus on Jesus. And as I go through each key, I'll introduce it. I'll play a song to give us some time to pray about it. And then I'll lead us through the prayer to experience the freedom that God wants us to have. So the first key, I'll introduce it from up here, is repentance. On some level, that woman of Samaria knew she had to repent. She had to acknowledge the fact that she was not in a good place. And that's why Jesus said, well, go call your husband. And so she had to admit that, well, I don't have one. Right. Right. You've had five. And the one you're with now is not your husband. So let's ask the Holy Spirit to help us examine our lives. Let's ask the Holy Spirit to probe our minds and our hearts, to bring to the light, to bring to Jesus anything that we're sorry for, anything that we need to repent of, anything that we need to turn away from. If our course is a little off course, let's ask him to show us how we can correct that. And we just do that with calmness, with confidence in his mercy, with humility, but with a lot of peace. Because again, God is not here to make you feel bad. On the contrary, he's here to set you free from the shame that is keeping you from him and from the body of Christ, the family of God, the people of God. From that which prevents you from that greater communion and greater strength and joy. So as this song plays, 